Hey everyone, welcome to today's Fireside Chat. My name is Emily Sherizzi, and I am General Counsel here at Armstrong Transport Group in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, here at Armstrong, I oversee the legal, claims, and carrier departments. I also manage the external litigation and contract negotiation for Armstrong's 130 offices. So today, Chad and I are going to talk a little bit about carrier selection and monitoring and how your teams can effectively shield your company from risk, but also still allow for growth uh, in this extremely tight market. So as you all know, there's no one size all fits all approach to carrier selection. So I hope Chad and I can give you some ideas on how to better your process. Chad, please introduce yourself and Reliance Partners. Yeah, so uh, my name is Chad Eichelberger. I'm president of Reliance Partners. We are uh, headquartered in Chattanooga, Tennessee with uh, seven additional offices around the country. Uh, my background and our specialization as a company is in this risk management compliant insurance space. Uh, previously, I was in the freight broker space myself as president at Access American Transport and then later president at Coyote Logistics, president of brokerage at Coyote Logistics after they acquired us. So I'm very passionate about this topic and uh, Emily, excited to have you join me for our discussion today. Thanks. So just to give a brief industry spotlight, I think everyone knows that there's a really big focus on managing and navigating tight capacity right now. Um, and that tight capacity has really begun to drive up costs and you know increase load rejection rates for brokers out there. And I assume we have a really wide range of brokers watching us today uh, with various tolerance levels for risk. And uh, hopefully Chad can explain how all of those risk levels should really just be in line with the risk level of your insurance company. Um, and I think that's really important because right now brokers are more apt to work with carriers that they might not have worked with a few years ago. Talking about conditional carriers, or carriers with poor safety ratings, carriers with uh, just a few number of trucks, you know, and because of market pressures, brokers are taking more risk than ever just to book a load. Um, and, and some are overlooking their carrier vetting procedures, uh, which is a risky practice. So Chad, um, the first question I have for you is, on the brokerage side, I know that agents are trying to save money right now. Um, some are trying to save as little as $50 to $100 um, going with a poorly rated carrier. From your insurance vantage point, what is the problem with that? Well, I think that there's several problems. So thank you for the question, Emily. Uh, I think number one, uh, when you hire a carrier, whether they are conditional or they have multiple alerts, uh, there are issues with that motor carrier that potentially lead you into an area that certainly don't want to be involved in and negligent hiring is uh, that specific area by hiring a motor carrier who doesn't uh, doesn't have appropriate safety scores and they're involved in uh, some type of accident where there's injury to the party you certainly open yourself up to negligent hiring there relative to uh, you know brought into a lawsuit from a third party and then I would say as a follow-up to that too standpoint, you've got contracts that you've signed with shippers, and some of those contracts state that motor carriers shall, you know, have a satisfactory or non-rated uh, safety score. Motor carriers shall, shall carry this specific 
segment of insurance coverage, this specific rating of insurance. So I think all of those areas set you up uh, when you do hire an unsafe carrier in, in a life that you don't want to be set up in, you would end up in a court over an accident. So we always encourage everybody to have a process and you know, excited to talk through more of those processes specifically. Uh, but one of the things, Emily, to ask you was, based on the you know the tight market that's out there today, uh, what feedback would you have for freight brokers around hiring conditional motor carriers? And if they must, what feedback would you give them on that? Thanks uh, for the question, Chad. Um, I think we've actually been asking ourselves that question internally as well. Um, Armstrong has really overhauled their carrier vetting guidelines kind of in light of the tight market that we've been seeing out there. And generally, we do not recommend the use of conditional carriers. Um, I understand that a lot of brokers don't want to hear that right now. Um, however, if you must use a conditional carrier, I think it's really important that you understand why the carrier is conditional, how long a carrier has been conditional, and what is their action plan to become satisfactory. Uh, you mentioned negligent hiring and entrustment cases, and in the event your carrier um, is involved in a fatality or unfortunate circumstance where you find yourself um, being sued for negligent hiring and entrustment, the court is going to want to see that you made some reasonable efforts to do some background research on this carrier. Um, and one thing that Armstrong does is um, some grandfathered conditional carriers may be used. However, we require a letter from the carrier to the FMCSA outlining their action plan um, and what they're doing to move forward and, and become a safer carrier and um, have their safety ratings improved. So also, I think in addition to that, you really want to evaluate the size of the carrier. Chad, I know we had talked about that previously. You know, a carrier with 100 trucks is going to look a lot different to your company than a carrier with two to three trucks. Evaluate the history of the carrier. Um, and a good rule of thumb also is to hire a carrier with under 70% uh, safety score ratings in all five categories. Um, if you see over 70% in any one category, I would stay away. A lot of courts have ruled that um, this percentage is somewhat industry standard and accepted. So I think that's that's some good rule of thumb to follow. Um, and another thing Chad and I talked about, I know you agree with me on this, is if you do set a policy, stick with it. It's going to be very hard to convince a court that one day you had a rule, you understood that this rule was safe, and then the next day you went outside of your policy. So um, if you're going to make an exception, make sure that that you have a really good reason for it. Um, and I think that kind of leads us into my next question for you, Chad, which is about the rise of nuclear verdicts and the toll that those are taking on the industry. So can you take a second to explain why brokers should care about nuclear verdicts and how can we prevent them? Yeah, so unfortunately, uh, you know, for, for freight brokers that are out there right now and for motor carriers, you know, we've seen this rise of nuclear verdicts and there, there are lots of, uh, you know, articles accessible out there that kind of detail uh, the extent to which some of these verdicts have increased over, you know, the past 10 years. And, 
you know, the, the bill, the, you know, the number of sheer billboard attorneys uh, in the country right now that are targeting motor carriers and, and, and now freight brokers. So uh, there's not a perfect scenario where you absolutely remove yourself from, from any potential of liability. Uh, you know, there are lots of challenges out there, but when we think about nuclear verdicts for freight brokers, a lot of what Emily just said, uh, those are the little things you can do along the way, but there's also things in a, in a broader sense that you need to be thinking about. And not only the carrier vetting process being critical, you know, to avoid those, those verdicts, but looking at things like what type of contractual language do you have in your agreements? Uh, number one, making sure that you've had an attorney or an insurance company review your, your motor carrier, your broker motor carrier agreement. Um, that when you sign a contract, you understand the indemnification language in that contract. Are you indemnifying them for the negligence of the motor carrier? Are you indemnifying the shipper for their own negligence? Are you going to agree to defend them uh, in that situation? Um, when a motor carrier, and a lot of times it, it can happen, uh, you know, wherever in the country, but there are also jurisdictional issues uh, where some of these accidents tend to come from. Uh, on the basis of location. And so you can't protect against that because everybody here is involved in, in interstate commerce. But what you can do is make sure that you vetted the carrier properly, properly, that you understand the contract you've signed. And what we're seeing happen is we're seeing more brokers that are being named in these accidents than, than we've ever seen before. And I'll talk a little bit more later about some of that uh, relative to the insurance coverages that are available out there. But I think, Emily, my question to you would be, what tips would you have for freight brokers to avoid some of these potential pitfalls relative to uh, you know, practices that can prevent those kind of scenarios? Sure. So one thing that we really focus on here is having a very well-trained carrier team. So our carrier team understands everything that a carrier is evaluated with. They understand the FMCSA safety scores. They understand what it means to be satisfactory, conditional, unsatisfactory, et cetera. They're put through a very intense training program for two weeks. Um, and just to make sure that your team understands the rules and that if they're in a position to make an exception uh, for a conditional carrier on behalf of your company, that they truly understand that. Um, of course, conditional carriers must be approved by more than one person here at Armstrong. Um, so making sure that you have a team that has checks and balances is also really important um, and that one person isn't in charge of making that decision. So also making sure that your agents, Armstrong is an agent-based model, so it's really important for us to have them understand why we're making the decisions that we are um, so they don't constantly ask us to use conditional carriers or carriers with poor safety ratings. Um, of course, have somebody like a general counsel review the contracts you just talked about. Make sure your carrier um, your carrier contract is solid, that you are keeping up with the recent case law, the insurance requirements required by federal law, of course, and that you're really making sure that you understand the shipper agreements that you're signing and the liability um, that you could be accepting on behalf of a third party. Um, and just to sort of reiterate what I said before, make sure that you're really consistent with your processes. If you have a rule, stick with it. Um, I think it's just really important for the organization of your company 
And it also really helps your carrier department um, feel backed. I know a lot of times we'll have rules and then make an exception for one person or a large agent or um, a customer that we really like. So I think consistency is really key, especially for your support teams. Um, more importantly, and I think this goes more to you, Chad, but understanding your insurance policies uh, and when they'll be triggered and when it won't is probably the most important thing of all. Um, so, and most importantly, how your coverage can be invalidated. So I'd really like you to talk about that. And that's not really perfectly fitting into the script that we had discussed, but can you tell people a little bit about what they can do to invalidate their insurance policy? Um, just some actions that they might want to avoid and or actions that they want to take to ensure coverage? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to the point, uh, when you're when you're looking at a contract from a shipper, and you have to think of it really as, as three different buckets of liability. There's the motor carrier, there's the freight broker, and there's the shipper. Um, so one of the things when you're thinking about it like that, you can purchase, you know, what's called freight broker auto liability policy, or a sometimes it's called third party policy, third party auto liability policy, uh, depending on where the uh, the insurer is. But you can purchase this policy to cover the interest of the freight broker. There isn't a scenario out there where that policy is intended to cover the motor carrier or intended to cover the shipper. So when you have this contractual indemnification that takes place and you indemnify uh, the shipper for the liability of a motor carrier, you are at that point removing the shipper from, you know, separating the shipper and yourself from the motor carrier. But when you indemnify the shipper for their own negligence and agree to defend them, you've now crossed a whole nother line where you have all the liability of yourself and of the shipper, and what you hope is that the indemnification language present between you and the motor carrier can hold up in court, but your insurance still is just going to cover you. It's not going to cover the shipper. So uh, a judgment against all three parties means you're paying the defense of the shipper and any judgment made against them. So we really caution people against that. And I'm sure, Emily, I, I know you've had precedent in that area just with your experience, uh, any thoughts on, you know, or best, uh, you know, best process or when you're going through a contract, maybe some tips you could pass along for how you can avoid that potentially? Yeah. Um, so again, in this market, I think a lot of the brokers who are watching are really going to be looking to grow their business. So I think even the large brokers are really looking to grow their business. So when you get a contract from a shipper, redlining that contract isn't exactly the thing that you want to do. But um, I think especially as an attorney, my job is to make sure that the business, the, the decisions maker, decision makers for the business understand the risks and that they're accepting those risks. So if it's a really large customer that you're extremely excited about, you might be okay with taking on that extra liability because you're going to make enough money where if something goes wrong, you know, it, it, you can justify it. And the exception should be taken on larger customers, of course. Um, if you're going to be working with a smaller customer, smaller volumes, I wouldn't suggest taking on such such big risk. So 
Um, I think this kind of also leads us into the different types of policies out there, Chad. I think there's a lot of confusion on insurance policies in general. Brokers see contingent cargo, liability, auto, non-owned. Can you just kind of break that down for us and explain um, maybe just contingent coverage versus liability coverage, for example? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we always advise brokers when possible to purchase what we would call primary coverage. Now, don't think of primary in the same sense that you think of auto liability for a motor carrier, but this is primary coverage for the freight broker. And it has a lot of different names, but typically freight broker, auto liability, or third-party liability are the two most common names out there. Um, but then you also see freight brokers, and a lot of times these are newer entrants to the market or smaller brokerages that will purchase contingent auto liability. So freight broker auto protects the interest of the freight broker. Uh, contingent auto is there to cover a claim made against the motor carrier. If the motor, generally speaking, the wording of most of these policies, if the motor carrier's coverage fails to respond to a valid claim. So there's not, it's better than not having coverage. And it's something, of course, you need with your shippers, but uh, we really strongly encourage people to look at the primary. That's what's going to protect your business. The other is a fail-safe policy that can, is certainly helpful, but uh, certainly challenging to trigger. And you still haven't afforded yourself the protection that you really need to be doing. And then you touched on cargo too, Emily. Um, we strongly encourage freight brokers to look at the types of cargo policies that are available. You've got primary cargo policies that are available for brokerages to cover up to the limit of the policy. Some of these, irrespective of the limit of the motor carrier, you've got policies that are kind of a hybrid, maybe a you know legal liability policy. If you assume legal liability for cargo loss or damage, that there's coverage, and then you have contingent cargo policies that are really there. You know, I hate to say this, but I look at them as checking the box on the certificate. And oftentimes, you're not going to see a whole lot of claims paid because everything has to align in a perfect scenario because it's contingent on the insurance of the motor carrier. So generally speaking, in a lot of these forms, if they have an exclusion, they do have an exclusion. So it's just something to be very cognizant of. And I think that goes back to what I was saying before, just your insurance company, and Chad and I have talked a lot offline about this, is such a resource for you. Understand what your insurance policies are because you can generally purchase um, an endorsement that might really broaden your coverage. I know Armstrong has the refrigerated cargo endorsement. Um, these endorsements aren't cheap, but um, it, it gets you around some of the exclusions that can get you into trouble and you'll find yourself with fewer denied claims just spending a little bit more money on those. And I'm not, you know, suggesting that you dump all of your money into insurance policies. However, think about the freight that you run. If you're doing a lot of refrigerated or temperature controlled cargo, talk to your insurance company about a refrigerated cargo endorsement on your contingent cargo policy. Um, a lot, like you just said, a lot of carriers, cargo policies, they will not cover a, a refrigerated claim unless it's proven that it was uh, malfunction of the unit. 
Um, human error isn't covered on a lot of policies. So really dig into your insurance broker or whoever your resource is for insurance and understand when your policy will be triggered and, and when it won't be. I feel that that's very, very important in this market as well. Um, Chad, do you have anything else to add about this topic? Well, I think we could we could probably talk for hours about this. And I don't know. And that's probably why they only gave us 20 minutes here. But uh, just I think from my perspective in general, just to kind of summarize some of the things we talked about, uh, really, I would encourage everybody to pay close attention to the contracts you're signing. Uh, as Emily said, have a process on your carrier vetting uh, and have a process for if there's an exception made, here's the rationale for how it's made. Understand how your insurance responds and just be diligent around following those processes. There's not a, uh, a way to prevent, unfortunately, all situations of liability, but you can certainly mitigate that and have a way to defend yourself if, if it ever, you know, a situation does occur where, you know, you end up pulled into one of these lawsuits. So uh, I think for mine, though, that's it. Emily, anything else to add or? No, I, like you said, I could talk about this all day. Uh, I think we'd have a lot of people tuning out, but <laughs> it's an important topic. And if anybody has any questions, I know that uh, my information, Chad's information will be available to you. So we really appreciate you joining us today. And we hope that you enjoy the uh, the summit. Thank you. Thank you.